Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Welcome, citizens of Geconia. This is Dave, your captain, speaking. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's episode. We have a special guest with us tonight who has a unique perspective into the world of reptile breeding. Uh, John Scarborough of Gecko Boa Reptiles is one of the best breeders that has come onto the scene within the last few years. Um, I'm expecting great things from him and his projects. He's certainly not your average hobbyist and is very, very knowledgeable in husbandry and morph-making genetics. Um, he's also a proud sponsor of Gecko Nation Radio, and, uh, you know, I take that very seriously. People that are sponsors, not only do I handpick the sponsors, but um, the people that I represent on this show are people that I truly um, feel are just beneficial to the community, and I wouldn't um, falsely recommend them. So these are just great people that sponsor this radio show, um, and they're very sincere plugs that I do. I um, I just... I just truly feel great about these breeders and businesses. And, uh, you know, speaking of sponsors. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out ABDragons.com online and on Facebook. Razor Sharp Reptiles. Like the name suggests, Jamie Carnes has some sharp gecko and snake projects in the works. He is very well known for his work with rare species, such as cave geckos, but also has some of the prettiest radar projects I've ever seen. Razor Sharp Reptiles is also known for high-end fat tails and beautiful rainwater leopard gecko morph projects. Check out RazorSharpReptiles.com online and on Facebook. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need. From Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, Look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. 
Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, for those of you guys that are following my work, uh, please check out some new videos that I just posted last week on my YouTube channel at David's Fine Geckos, all one word. Uh, I just showed off the darkest gecko in my collection, which is a, uh, a black pearl patternless or D-project patternless. And uh, I, I don't know, I'd venture to say it's probably one of the darkest, uh, 10 most darkest geckos in the community right now. Hopefully it'll stay that way. It'll likely uh, lighten up a bit, but it's always going to be pretty dark. Um, and also check out the FlexWatt Heat Tape Facebook page. I'm going to be posting some new information coming up on the new um, mats that are coming out. FlexWatt has a new complete line of finished heat mats that have safety features, and they're going to be the absolute um, best and safest uh, reptile heat mats um, that are out there right now. And you won't need a thermostat for them, so that's a good thing. Um, and also check out the Gecko Nation Radio Facebook page and YouTube channel. And uh, the YouTube channel is new. Steve just put that together. And uh, not only will we be posting the episodes there, but we'll also be doing some cool um, videos from time to time. So um, we've got a lot of big plans for this show. So definitely get involved and keep up with what we're doing. Um, if you guys are, I see a lot of you guys in the chat room. That's awesome. Um, Jessica, Landon, Mike. Heather, oh wow, there's a ton of people in here. Sam, Sean, Tammy, SC Geckos, Ty is in there. Okay, cool. A lot of guests. Um, if you guys that are guests uh, want to put a name to your um, your, I guess your personality there, you can. It's up to you. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people in there. Cool. Um, so later on, the call-in, I'll be opening the lines for. Uh, for calls and questions with John, and uh, the number for that is 646-478-5331, and I'll announce that again when it's time for open lines later on in the show, so just keep that in mind. Um, also, over the last two weeks or so, we've been doing a contest in Gecko Nation group. It was um, who could make the flag that represents the group. We have a cool flag and banner that Steve made, of course, and um, I thought it would be fun to put it out there to all of you the guys and call on your creativity and see what people could come up with. And you guys came up with a few really nice uh, flags that are pretty much artwork. Um, the admins and I had to decide which one was the best, and it seems like three people agreed and one didn't. I'm not going to say who, who, but I'm going to tell you the first place winner and the second place. Uh, the first place winner was... I'm here to watch with his uh, flag and gecko on this planet thing. And I'd like to see you make that dude into like a more of a um, rectangle shape so we can definitely post it up there. Uh, it's, it's kind of square right now. Um, the other the other one that uh, was second place was uh, Mandy's flag. Mandy's flag came out really well. Um, I liked all of them. And, you know, it's, it's tough to pick one, but we had, you know, we had to. So uh, we'll be doing more contests and stuff in the group in the future, so keep that in mind. So uh, we're, I'll announce uh, what the prize is uh, during the week. I'll figure out something cool for you. All right. Also, um, I mentioned last week that uh, gecko forums, and 
uh, Gecko Nation Radio are going to team up a bit. And um, Gecko Nation Radio is now the official herpetocultural-based radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Um, so uh, long-term hardcore Gecko enthusiasts will know Gecko Forums very well. And now I'm going to bring on uh, Thad from Ohio Gecko on for a few minutes to tell us about Gecko Forums for those of you guys that don't already know about it. Um, so let's go ahead and find Thad in the list here. That is... That is not here. Hey, Thad, um, I'm going by your cell phone. Unless you're calling me from a different number, um, text me real quick and let me know what your area code is that you're calling me from so I know um, which call to take in the, in the switchboard here. Um, in the meantime, while Thad's telling me what his phone number is, let's see what else I have for you guys. All right. The next thing in the segment is for um, me to bring on John. So it's up to Thad to step up and tell me where he is. <laughs> um, in the meantime, uh, guys, go ahead and check out geckoforums.net. And uh, it's basically just – actually, I got something even better. Check this out. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. All right, everybody. I just got a text message from Thad, and he's got some issues right now, I think. Um, so, oh, wait, he's writing back. I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring him on or not. But in the meantime, let's uh, let's see what Steve has to say. Good evening, Gekonians. How's evening, it going, Dave? Steve. Doing good, bud. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Um, before we start the stories, I just wanted to tell you, um, I I just saw. The first time in 20 years that I've been herping a box turtle in my area. Oh, wow. 20 years since I've seen one. And it was crossing the road. So I just I just figured oh, I'd wow. throw that out there before we started. I mean, it's, like I said, 20 years is a long time to not even see one. So, And I'm in central mm-hmm. New York, and mm-hmm. I was I was surprised to see it. And wow. excited. Was it a pretty, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Was it a pretty eastern, I guess? Yeah, right? Yeah, it was, it was nice and orange. A lot of, mm-hmm. I mean, right around the legs and, and its neck and everything was really bright orange. Real nice looking. Hmm. Real nice. Nice. I got some That's pictures. Cool. I haven't posted them yet. Let it go. 
got it off the yeah, road. Okay. I'm, I'm good for mm-hmm. uh, pulling turtles off the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I've done it so many times. Painted turtles, snappers, box turtles. Well, not oh, so many yeah. box turtles, but yeah. Um, you know, they. You know, box turtles have like a home range of like, oh, I don't know. I think it's like something like like a, a mile or so, and they have they know exactly where they are, and you know when we build buildings and roads and houses we go right through those territories so they still roam their their areas they just try to they just go right through these obstacles that we create and you know if there's a road there it's going to cross that road and sure enough you know you're either going to find it and help it off the road or you're going to run it over so oh yeah actually i'm glad you found that yeah our first story is sort of related um Mm -hmm. reptiles in Colorado are feeling the stress of the floods. Um, Hmm. In Denver, the Colorado Reptile Humane Society received dozens of calls reporting reptiles and amphibians found moving to higher ground. One call reported 18 tiger salamanders that had been trapped in in the resident's basement window wells. Uh, multiple reptiles oh. and amphibians have have been taken in as rescues, including including non-native reptiles whose owners have been homes have been flooded. Now, the one that they're concerned about is the box turtle, because as you were talking about their native range, they have it listed. They 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 live in the same place an area the size of five to ten football fields for its entire life. So they're worried because they're not going to, obviously they're not going to move fast enough either for floods, but they're not going to want to move away. So they're worried about yeah. box turtle populations and mm-hmm. them drowning, basically, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, it's terrible. Maybe but that's a large way to uh, jam the water somehow, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's pretty cool. That's the first um, co- or reptile humane society I ever heard of. I don't know. That there's none around my area, but that's the Colorado the Reptile again? Humane Colorado Reptile Humane Society. I've never heard of a reptile humane society, so I thought that was kind of cool too. Wow. Yeah, we need that. Yeah. Well, 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 let's see. Hopefully they won't turn out to be like uh, the other humane society, you know, and come after us and want to shut us down. And yeah. Take away the owners, yeah. like, take away ownership of exotic animals. Uh, that'll be terrible. Um, so, yeah. Well, well, but for the record, for the record, uh, GNR hasn't weighed an opinion on the Colorado Reptile Humane Society yet <laughs> until we do more investigation. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, most most local... <laughs> Humane societies seem to be pretty good for from my my experience for any that I've mm-hmm. had to deal with. But mm-hmm. okay, yeah, cool. All, All right. right, and our next story in Fairmount, West Virginia, fishermen landed a caiman. Uh, the the oh. Division of Natural Resources Police received multiple calls about an alligator about alligator sightings 
Officials learned the stories were true when two fishermen landed a Cayman Friday morning. Oh. They, they didn't have a size or anything, but they had a picture, and to me it looks like an alligator. I'm not an expert on crocodilians or anything, but to me it looks like an alligator, and it looks like it's a good four-foot-long alligator or crocodilian oh, of some yeah. kind. It is an alligator, Steve, because um, somebody... Yeah, I that's what I thought. Facebook, yeah, yep, yep, I saw something on Facebook but, about this during the week, yes. It is actually an alligator, the, and they got it wrong. The news people got it wrong, of course. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's that's what I thought it was. <laughs> I was like, well, it keeps saying Cayman, and then officials are saying <laughs> Cayman, but it does look like an alligator, but it looks like it's at least four feet long. It looks like a nice-sized alligator. <laughs> Aren't all alligators nice sized? Right? Except for babies. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they're all they're all nice sized. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, I tell you, I, I'm it, selling gators and caimans is one thing that I just I don't know. I, I I can't. I'm not for that. I don't know about you, Steve. I think you, you know, I agree yeah. on this. I, I yeah. I mean, who do you really need a pet alligator? I mean, come on, man. Get a leopard gecko yeah. and be happy already. Only, uh, only if I owned a zoo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, like regular people in apartments and even houses are not equipped to care for these things no. properly. You know? No. It's just not. It doesn't work. Oh, oh man. No. And then, and then when they don't, when they get too big, and then they go, they wind up in the in the local ponds. That's 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 what's going to hurt us more than anything. So. Yeah. Oh man. All right. So our next story, and this has been all over Facebook in the last couple of days. In Ecuador, (laughs) researchers spent three years looking for a lizard believed to be extinct for 50 years. In a cloud forest in the northwest part of Ecuador, they found them. These lizards have one of the smallest range of any lizard in the world, the male lizards have a long nose appendage believed to advertise a male's good genes supporting the name Pinocchio lizard. Oh, so I don't know if you saw saw that anywhere, but it, it was believed to have been extinct for 50 years now. And they were wow. they were looking for this lizard for a book that they're they're publishing for for um reptiles and amphibians of that area and it was the last one they couldn't find. For that book, and they found it. Three three years it took them. And I, I mean, mm. and I I've never even heard of this lizard, but they look so cool. <laughs> they look it looks oh, like nice. a, like a rhino kind of. <laughs> wow, I'll but, check it out. I haven't. That's seen it awesome. Yet. Yeah, and I'm gonna post all the stories on the Gecko Nation Radio page. I'll p- post all the stories okay. on af- after the show. But yeah, it's okay, cool. a really cool looking. It. I just hold on, ahead. Steve. I just noticed that Glenn Glenn posted the link to the Pinocchio lizard in the chat room. So if you guys oh, want to check cool. it out, go ahead. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, there, ahead, I, I I saw it, and you know what? I want one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it that looks, cool, really. It looks yeah. So cool, yeah. And it's an I guess oh. it's an anole. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think it just looks so cool. So our, our next story is also a cool one. Reality Works, the creator of the Real Care Baby, 
used in high schools to teach students about the responsibility of having a child is working on a, la- a line of pet care or real care pets, including dogs, cats, and an iguana. The real care pets will simulate real life situations and the onboard computer will record the feeding, care, and safe handling. The goal of the company is to allow parents to rent the simulators to ensure their children will take care of a pet properly before they commit to owning a living animal. I thought that wow. was pretty cool. That's cool. Absolutely. That's that's awesome. You know, too many people jump into pet ownership, don't even know what they're doing. That's that's great. I like that. Yeah. And our last story, I always try to find a gecko story, and a lot of times it's hard to find something on a gecko. Mm -hmm. So this one is efforts to sell leopard geckos condemned. Worldwide fund for, yeah, listen. Worldwide fund for nature, Pakistan. Condemned efforts to capture and sell leopard geckos uh, on World Animal Day on Friday and vowed to play its part in the protection of this rare species which might otherwise become extinct. It is being exported as, as demand for the species grows as pets. So, and it goes on, according to the International Union for Conservation of Nature... The reptile is of lesser concern, but increasing pressure on its population can push it towards endangerment. The director, director biodiversity of the Worldwide Fund for Nature Pakistan, speaking on the World Animal Day, requested the government, civil society, and conservation organizations and the media to play their role in the conservation of this unique species and to create awareness among the public. Adding to this, they pledge the, the for, formulation of tight rules regulation re, regarding the export of unique species, including the leopard gecko. That's, that's Pakistan. Well, if they need leopard geckos, we got them, and we can send them some. <laughs> <laughs> we got all the leopard geckos they want. Wow, that's strange. I didn't even know they were still exported them. Is there even a need to export them anymore? I don't even know about that. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't really see a need to. I mean, we maybe have not enough coming here, here, I think. Yeah, it maybe they're not coming here, Steve. Maybe they're, you know. Oh, wow, that's surprising. Yeah, I don't think I don't even think the U.S. gets any imports anymore. I know a lot of people are seeking, you know, locality stuff, and John will talk about that when he comes on, of course, but... Yeah, that's strange. Weird story. All right. Yeah. So now, one of the stories is not real. Okay. That's right. That's the thing for tonight. One of these stories that Steve just mentioned is not true. So it's all up to you guys in the group. You guys got to figure out which one of those past stories is false. Glenn just wrote, I already forgot them all. Wow, attention spans are horrible today in people. Um, well, why don't you just recap real, Steve, what the stories were. Just, uh, the, you know, don't tell us the whole story. Just say, you know, the alligator okay. in the lake and, you know, you know. All right. So 
Mm-hmm. Reptiles feeling stress of Colorado floods. Mm-hmm. Um, Fisherman land caiman. Cayman. Researchers okay. spent three years looking for the Pinocchio lizard. Reality Pinocchio works. Lizard. Okay. Cre- Reality works creates real care pets. And the last okay. one, where did I go here? Is efforts to to sell leopard geckos condemned? Those are the titles of each story. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. And just so everybody, I'm gonna have just to so everybody, just so everybody knows, Dave doesn't know either. Yeah. I, he doesn't I don't know which either. story is is fake. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say I can't believe that this whole thing about selling, shipping <laughs> leopard geckos out of Pakistan is being condemned because we have no need for any geckos from Pakistan anymore. So I'm going to say that's the false story. And let's see what people are saying in the group. <laughs> um, Chad says the Slim Pez takes <laughs> the Cayman thing. Glenn's going with the Cayman thing. Um, Sam's with me. He's on the Leopard Gecko story. Uh, get your answers in, everybody. Let's see. I want to see what you guys think. Landon's with me. <laughs> um, all right. Anthony says the Gecko story. All right. Amanda's going with the Cayman thing. Mike's going. With, Mike's with me. Well, a lot of people are going with either, you know, saying that the, um, the efforts to are being condemned to sell leopard geckos out of Pakistan, or the story about um, the real the real pet thing. So, all right, why don't you tell us, Steve, which is the false story? Okay, the false story is the real care pets. Really? I, I, yeah, they're not they're not making those. But and I'll tell you oh, how I came fun. up with that was my son is. Has, he he came home with a baby last Tuesday from school, mm-hmm. and it's one of the reality works <laughs> real care babies, and he has to take care of it, and it and it does all this. I mean, it it's just like a real baby. I mean, it it kept him up all night Friday night, and <laughs> and uh, I sit there and I'm laughing at him. But really, I think that would be a good idea. Something yeah. like that would be a kind yeah. of a cool idea. Before you buy, you know, you actually own a living animal. Something like that would be pretty neat. Well, but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Now it's out there. (laughs) Yeah, well, now it's out there. Somebody else is going to capitalize on it. So, (laughs) yeah, really. Yeah, that was a really good idea, Steve. That's cool. I like that. Thank you for those stories. Yeah, that was fun. I I think everybody likes this this thing. with with the false story, so I think we'll keep doing it. It's, it's fun. Wow, I'm so I'm so surprised over this thing about the leopard geckos coming out of Pakistan. Uh, yeah, it, it, I right. didn't say where they were sending them, but but yeah, I always try to find a gecko story, and that was the one I could find. So. <laughs> all right, all right, nice. Oh, I see. I see. Thad is back in the in the call room. Okay, cool. We can bring him on. All right, Steve. Well, thank you very much for the for the stories tonight. They're really good. Um, why don't you, before you go, why don't you tell everybody um, your information so they can find you on um, Facebook and on uh, YouTube. Check me out uh, at 
on YouTube and Facebook, Facebook under BC Barker Creations. Great. Awesome. All right. Hey, Steve, thanks for making the YouTube channel. And, uh, yeah, I got some good ideas. We'll talk during the week. We'll make some get some cool things going there. All right. Cool. All right. Thank see you. you next week, Steve. Thanks again. All right. Now we're going to bring on Thad. Thad is back. He's uh, had some craziness at his house. Thad, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. How's it going, bud? Good, David. How are you doing? Doing well. What happened over there? Oh, we just had a, uh, some crazy weather over here with a thunderstorm and high winds and some hail. And um, we had a car. We, we live on kind of an S curve, and a car went off the road and hit a ditch head on. So there's two girls going to work. They were nurses and just kind of had a way to get off the road, make sure that nobody, no people get around the road and still raining out pretty hard. It was hard to see the car. It was partially on the road still. So everything's everybody okay? cleared up. Yeah, everybody's okay. Everybody's okay. Good. So they they checked them out and they're good to go and getting a, I believe they're getting the car off the road right now out of the ditch. Okay, I don't want to take up too much more time away from John, but why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, Gecko Forums for those of the people that don't know already know. If you don't know what Gecko Forums is, you've been living under a rock, but uh, Dad, why don't you tell us uh, about Gecko Forums? Oh, Gecko Forums, it's been around for a while. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I think most people are spending with geckos or or bred them or been like an avid enthusiast. I stumbled across the site one way or another, and it was originated uh, by Kelly Hammock, and then um, I, she kind of got out of it about a year ago. I took over the website, and it's just got a wealth of information from uh, breeding to incubation to, uh, you know, my gecko's not doing well. This is happening. What should I do? And it's just got a real rich history of, of everything I get, because even genetics and and anything you can think of about leopard geckos is on that website. Mhm. And some of the some of the most well known breeders and uh, people in the community and industry have have uh, left their mark there, right? Yeah, I I think you can look back through uh, if you can name off a breeder in the past. Um, any like the really well known breeders in the past. Eight years, I, I think you're going to find posts that they left some sort of post on the website somewhere, or, or is even still active on the website. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, and um, so we're gonna we're gonna help uh, the new people that are coming into the hobby find gecko forums. Uh, a lot of us veterans know about it, of course, but um, that we definitely want to help all of you guys out there find it and use it and benefit from it. And um, how does uh, you, we can also sell our animals there too, right, Dad? Yeah, we we got a classified section. You can sell any type of reptile there in the classifieds. Um, uh, it is again heavily based on leopard geckos, and we've got quite a bit of activity on African fat tails. But it's a free classified section to post your animals for sale, and and uh, they got trader ratings on those classifieds, so you can see how the trades went down or or the, not even trades, but deals and transactions in the past for each of the people that signed up on the website. 
Oh, cool. So it's basically like a shadiness meter. Ah, yeah, kind of, or or a good, you know, good meter. You know, there's not too many shady deals that's gone down, and, and uh, it's mostly positive. But you, there are a couple that are, you know, out there that you, something went wrong and it wasn't made right or something. Kind of just kind of left their yeah, mark on it, there. It, yeah, it happens in everything, of course. Yep. But uh, all right, all right, cool. So it's it's geckoforums.net. And um, there's also a chat room, and what else? What else is on there? There's advertising, right? What do, what do you got going on there? Well, we, we're putting up a chat room. Uh, we don't have that up yet. You know, I, uh, David had mm-hmm. one on his on your site before, and I, that's something that we want to do. We can put back up on there. Um, but we have our different forum areas for for geckos and um, leopard geckos, African fat tails. Um, pretty much covering anything, but yeah, there is advertising that breeders, breeders advertise on, uh, people who sell feeders advertise in our uh, area. It's kind of a focused advertising for the gecko crowd, so it's, it's good advertising. Um, mm-hmm. That's, besides the form, you know, I, I when I first got into geckos, David, that's one of the first places I, I, I kind of stumbled across was uh, gecko forms. And I've been in a red on oh, the yeah. gecko forms. Gecko is huge. Yeah, I think I was on that on the site for about six months before I made my first post. And uh, man, I, I learned a wealth of information from that site on uh, setting up my breeding and what different breeders have done, and and it's a good, good source of information for that type of stuff. And you know, maybe we can we can talk about doing some like um, um, special promotions and stuff that. Uh, we can do a conjunction with each other to to get even more people and get even more track traffic there. We can um, think about some ideas um, coming up, and uh, you know we can make specific like announcements that'll be only be um, on the radio show here and on the gecko forums for maybe um, giveaways or prizes or something. I don't know. We'll figure something out. You know, we can always yeah. you know put something together. You know? Yeah, what that that sounds good, David. That sounds real good. Cross promotions always do well. Uh, one one promotion yeah. I did forget to talk about that we are doing right now. We do have contests on the website also. We're doing a, a calendar, our 2014 calendar contest right now, and and uh, people are submitting their gecko pictures, and then um, we we'll put them out there. Let let the gecko forums audience they'll choose the winners. And those will be picked to go on the calendars, and each winner will, will get a calendar for their for winning for that month of for the picture. And then uh, we're going to try to offer those calendars to the other members for as low as price as possible. To, to, we're looking about the twelve fourteen dollar range to get a, a calendar, but that'll that'll be coming up toward the end of the year. But the big thing right now is that, that contest is going on, and we're pretty excited about that. Nice, nice. That is that's cool. Yeah, definitely. All right, awesome, Pat. Um, I guess uh, we'll be hearing a lot more from Gecko Forums in the future. Um, and if there's anything in, uh, specifically that you'd like to promote that's going on, Gecko Forums, I uh, just wanted, want you to know that you're welcome anytime uh, to pop in on uh, Gecko Nation Radio here to, to tell everybody about it. That, that sounds good. And I, I do, uh, David and I have been talking, and Gecko, or, uh, Gecko Nation Radio is going to be like the official radio for uh, gecko forms, so we're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. promote them, and that's gonna be our official radio station that we work with through 
uh, reptiles, specifically geckos, on on gecko forums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and you know what? I like this camaraderie that we're all doing. A lot of us in the in the in the community are starting to come together, and I think that's a great thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's that's why this came around at a good time. And uh, teaming up with gecko forums is a good thing for me too. Like, like I didn't have time to do my own forum, and I'd be starting from scratch. Why? You know, it just seems like a waste. There's already an excellent forum out there, gecko forums. Why? You know, so that's why I'm not going to be pursuing my my whole form. Um, I'd rather work with you and um, help help you know get you know more people over that way. It, you know, it seems like a shame to waste such a such a great resource that's been compiled over the last I don't know nine years or so now. So you know, um, it's a, it's a good thing. So yeah, Pat, I'm really looking forward to working with you, and I, I appreciate this opportunity to work together. So yeah, me too, David. Me too. I think it's going to be a good compliment to each other, and uh, it's going to benefit the whole community. Absolutely. Yep. And we're we're going to have you back for a full episode in the future. Um, Did I schedule you yet? I think I did, right? Yeah. I think uh, I can't remember the date, but it's coming up. (laughs) I know know you got a good good, uh, schedule already put together. so All the way till February. So, yeah, let's see. You're coming on uh, Ohio Gecko 12-8. So December 8th, we have Thad from Ohio Gecko coming on for his own episode. So that'll be cool. Awesome. All right. All right, Thad, I'm going to get going now. I'm going to get on to John. And um, thanks again, dude. And uh, look forward to uh, doing more stuff with Gecko Forms. Everybody out there, make sure you check it out, geckoforms.net. So thanks, Thad. Thank you, David. Look forward to the, hearing John's, uh, what John's got going on here tonight. Excellent. Yep. All right. Talk to you soon, bud. All right, talk to you later, David. Bye. All right, later. All right, everybody. Let's get to John. John's been very patient. Um, sorry to keep you waiting for so long, John. Here we go. John Scarborough from Gecko Boa Reptiles. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, Dave. Hey, everyone out there. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, John. Sorry to keep you on for so long. There's just a lot going on tonight, it seems. <laughs> no, I don't mind at all. I'm just listening, just like everyone else out there, and enjoying the show. So, um, awesome. yeah, it's uh, I like I like how the show's running really smooth now. So, it's really good. Oh, isn't it a great new format for everything? You know, great. Yeah, great everything's style, everything's style. running running smooth, and then you have the you know the uh, the clips that you put in the middle, and I mean everything just sounds really good now, and it's gonna keep getting better, I believe too. Oh hell yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, so we're, we're, um, we're bringing I, you on tonight a lot of – go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Uh, I just wanted to first talk about a couple of the stories you, were guys, you guys were talking about, one being what's in the news right now as far as uh, – I didn't hear the whole story when he was saying it, but um, at the end I, I kind of caught on wind to it as far as the uh, geckos in Pakistan being um, considered like – I guess the locals are considering – um, them high profits and everybody's trying to get them um, exported out of there for whatever reason. And personally, I've had a lot of experience with this lately because I've had maybe five to six people in Pakistan contact me trying to sell me these geckos. And one thing I want to mention, I mean, I don't think there's anybody in Pakistan listening to the show, but and one thing I promote too whenever these guys contact me is I tell them that there's nobody interested in these geckos for these high dollar amounts and 
I think, you know, being the wild types and all these, you know, these, these shows that we're having, there is a temptation to go out there and collect wild geckos. But one thing I want to mention is being one of the people that works with wild types, pretty much as a, a big part of my business is that these geckos in Pakistan are not highly valuable, first of all. They're just your macular subspecies, kind of the same thing we've had already. And... Um, Second of all, we don't know where these guys collect. We don't know the localities on them. And, you know, that that being itself is not going to make a very valuable animal. It's just going to be your standard wild type, which I sell for maybe 100 bucks or so. Um, mm-hmm. And the third thing and the most important thing, I think, is that we need to promote that we cannot become the next exporters of, you know, large quantities of geckos and you know, these geckos from other countries, because that's the first thing that throws red flags to, you know, the the conservation efforts and everybody is trying to work to preserve animals. The second they see that these all, all these animals, there's this high demand for them, such as, you know, like toke geckos with, with um, I think it's AIDS research or AIDS cures, you know, they think that the geckos actually can cure AIDS somehow. Um, but it's kind of like the same thing that goes along with uh traditional Chinese medicine. We can't get involved with that because the second we we do that, we're going to highlight this section of the market or this section of the of the exportation of these animals and really could actually end up hurting us in the long run and really make it hard for us to either obtain wild types in the future or even obtain leopard geckos, say, if I wanted to get something from Europe or, you know, for let's say they come out with a new morph in Europe or something. You know, if they ban the whole species for instance, to come come in, um, we wouldn't be able to get any new animals in. And I think it's important that anybody that has that temptation, oh, there's going to be a new wild type coming from Pakistan, or somebody emailed me about this, there's no market for it, first of all. And second of all, it it's, could be detrimental to our hobby, you know, especially us keeping mm-hmm. leopard geckos. And, if, you know, some of these more extreme uh, legislation measures passed like CADEX or you know some of these other ones it's an easy excuse to ban them really quick so I think it's really important mm-hmm. anybody ever gets an email you know I don't think most of us do but the guys in Pakistan are definitely pushing it they think that, that these are hot hot items in our country and you know they're big money you know so the way I'm getting emails from mm-hmm. these guys they're just like you know I caught 10 geckos outside my village and what do you what will you <laughs> offer them to me for and I'm just like are you kidding me you know so yeah um I I haven't talked about that publicly I didn't know if anybody else is really experiencing that much but I'm sure they are and Mm -hmm. I just think it's important that we know that that just needs to stop there's no market for them these guys in Pakistan need to realize that there's nobody that wants them and it'll just die you know hopefully yeah hopefully the Chinese aren't catching on to them the same way as Tokay geckos but you know well, I can't imagine anybody like you, like any bigger names. I mean, you, like I'm smart enough not to not to fall for something like that. I mean, I can't imagine that you or Ron or anybody taking anybody up on that. That would, you know, contact them and say, "Hey, listen, I got ten geckos from outside my village." I mean, seriously, like who was? Who, I, I can't imagine them making at least making one sale on that yet. I mean, I mean, maybe some idiot out there would have bought some, but. Uh, you know, like you say, how can you prove where they're from? And you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, these, these things need to be collect. You know, they need to be collected by biologists and people that are really in the study, and they do it legally. 
You know, all the animals, all the wild types that I've, I've got, for my, the most part that I know of, have been collected by biologists. Like, all my are have been collected by biologists, and they've actually done studies mm-hmm. on this. And this is actually just surplus that they've produced because they've, they're doing work with these animals. And, mm-hmm. you know, in that case, it's not, not like there's you got the local population just hunting them down and <clears throat> down to extinction and, you know, to the point where, maybe not so much to extinction, but to the point where the local governments notice and then also our local uh, fish and wildlife will notice too. So, I mean, it's important to really keep that under, you know, under wraps and not really not really promote it for sure. Um, yeah. Well, I thought so, it was funny. Then, I, I swear, I swear, I thought it was the false story. That's, I mean, I thought it was ridiculous when I heard it. So no, I've literally. Got, I think there's there's somebody even posted on my wall on my Facebook page about it, and I just basically told him, no, I'm not interested. Nobody out here is interested in them. I don't see. Any, I mean, he was asking ridiculous prices too, and it's just like, first of all, it, it could be a scam. You know, I would never make a deal like that, even from a business side of it. But second of all, yep. it's just it's just bad altogether. You know. So I what basically if it's a told setup him from, no uh, Yeah, what if it's like a setup too that you can get yourself in big trouble, you know, like Oh um, yeah, it's definitely you know, you know, that side of it too. Draw attention to yourself and for somebody like me it could be huge, so not yeah. not interested at all wow. never will be. Good. <clears throat> um right. well the sec the second thing I wanted to mention too is just the Gecko Forum side of it too. I, I really do promote Gecko Forums. I think it's a great, great resource. Um, even today, I go on there and I look up things. Um, there's one thing to know that every morph and how it works, and you know, know the genetics behind things. But then it's another thing to know the history behind it too. And I think that's you know just as important. I mean, the genet- the actual genetics and how it's passed on, if it's recessive, dominant, whatever, is very important. But um, the actual history on the morph too can be very important because you can know where these lines come from. And if you go right. on Gecko Forum, you can literally research, you know, any morph that you can think of almost. And, you know, you can almost get a full detailed history on everything if you do your work. So mm-hmm. I'm going to – I'm yeah. as guilty as everyone else is, is turning to Facebook a lot lately just because it's easy for me. But now that I'm getting some more time going, I'm going to really start getting on Gecko Forums. And, you know, I like I like that a lot, and I think we need to, we need to promote this for him and – really get it going again because yeah. it is a great resource and I miss that side of it. Um, he he changed the classified section for a little while and I mean I never emailed him about this. I probably should have but I, I didn't like the way that it was set up and I didn't post ads one time but I, I see that he's changed it back to the old format and I, I like that format so I'm going to start posting my classifieds there again too. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, cool. I think anybody if you need history on you know any type of more for any question, really, you know you can get – you're going to get false information just like anywhere, but I see a lot better information on there than a lot of times if you just post it in one of the, the gecko groups, you know, and you just get, you know, a lot of random feedback at that time. Um, I know Marshall's yeah, well, posted a lot, a lot of- in, in gecko forums, a lot of good information in there that's very valuable. Mm-hmm. She's very knowledgeable about a lot of things, you know, even more yeah. – well, she's been in it a lot longer than I have, but – you know, she's really got a lot of good info in there and a lot of other breeders and a lot of other information that's just, especially the guys from the past that are not in the, in the business anymore, you know, like Dan the Fireman and like, you know, these these guys that nobody hears of anymore. 
yeah, I mean, these a lot of breeders don't even know who they are, and they were like the big guys back then. So, legends. You know, I think it's now important to know the history. Yeah, and there's a lot of old like spirited discussions and like uh, I wouldn't say arguments. Well, maybe there is some arguments over you know like when these like when certain combos and morphs are coming out, and if you want to go back and see what it was like during those times and what people were were thinking and discussing and. A lot of us have different opinions on how different genes work today, like the eclipse gene and whatever and stuff. But um, if you want to, like when these things are actually popping out and people are just starting to work with them, um, you can go back and see that history, which is, which to me is like, um, hey, John, I mean, that's that's leopard gecko culture history right there, you know? Yeah. Um, like I said, I use it all the time still. I can't remember everything. I mean, I've read probably everything, or not everything, but I've read a lot of information about pretty much every morph out there but i don't remember it all off the top of my head i'm sure there's questions you right. could ask me now that i wouldn't remember you know just because right. the history on it can it can be kind of confusing because it goes from one breeder to another and you know there's mm-hmm. it's it's hard to sometimes it's almost like being a detective too you got to figure out what happened in the past and where it went and here and there and talk to different people and kind of figure it out, you know, is really find out this gecko's history, you know. So, I mean, well, you know, Matt, so. Matt always points out the fact that if you don't do that type of history, if you don't go to those links, and he's right, if you don't um, really seek out this knowledge and this information, you know, you're not going to have it, and others will, and you, you're not going to be ahead of the game. So, um, oh, yeah. you know, you, if, you re- if you really take this seriously and you really want to do it right, you got to do your history, you got to do your homework, you got to um, find out, you know, the past, uh, just the history of these genetics and, and these genes, where they came from, how they were developed, how they work, and uh, that'll make you a, a good breeder in the future. Then you'll know what people are talking about. Exactly. It's yeah. just as important as staying on top of morphs, too. You know, everybody's like, i got to stay on top of the latest morphs. Well, it's really important, just as important to stay off on top of the history of these things, too. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, I just wanted to mention well, that. I think it's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start using it a lot more too. So hopefully, uh, I'll get some people too. over there as well and post links to my Facebook page and stuff. I don't. I do oh, not want to lose that resource. That's, that's my main point. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's gonna blow up. Gecko Forms is gonna be huge. You'll see. It is already huge. So you know, everybody's yeah. gonna go check it out. Um. So yeah. So well, anyway, John, you know, you're very well respected in the gecko community, and um. Tonight's episode is all about, you know, basically taking your hobby up to that next level, and that's that's where you are right now. You're in, you're at that next level, and a lot of people out there have dreams and aspirations of making their hobby a business or just making it a bigger operation. So, um, briefly before we get into that, for the people that don't know, and for the people that are going to download this episode two and three years from now. Uh, just briefly tell people what who you are, what you do, and then let's get right into what it's like to to take this to the next level. Uh, well, my name is John Scarborough. Um, I own and I'm the sole operator of Gecko Boa Reptiles, so I basically do it all myself. Um, I'm based out of Colorado. Um, I was in California up until um, the beginning of this year, so I just recently made a move. Um, I specialize mainly in leopard geckos and wild types of leopard geckos, meaning the different species of leopard geckos and the subspecies. Um, I also work 
and I want to focus a lot on Aki monitors and dwarf monitors in the future. Hopefully I can get a little more involved in that because I really do enjoy them. Um, as my name implies, I also have worked, well, I still do work with boa constrictors, although I don't work with very many anymore. Um, just a matter of time and, you know, um, I, I don't see, I, I, lo I love boa constrictors, but there's a lot of problems with the legislation and different things right now as far as, uh, you know, different constrictors being banned and boa constrictors possibly being one of the next ones, although I, I really hope that doesn't happen. But um, I only work with a few now. Um, and then I also work with a lot of different species of geckos. I think I'm up to like 15 or 16 species. It's always changing. So um, and that's kind of the fun side of it. I don't really do that as I mean, if I if I make something on it, great. If I don't, it's kind of the hobby side of it and keeps it exciting for me. So um, that's about it. I, I'm in Colorado. I live with my wife and uh, my one-year-old. And uh, mm -hmm. I've been doing this full-time since about 2010. Um, before that, it was more oh, of a side when did you hobby. Decide, so. when did you, okay, so when did you decide that, you know, the hobby level wasn't enough? When did you decide, John, that, all right, you know, this is so cool. I want to give this a go as a business. And uh, what made you decide that? Well, I don't know if I actually have, like, a point in history where I actually decided that. Um, one of the things – I'm a business major, and one of the things that, you know, scares me always about <laughs> reptiles and this whole industry was always how how it seems so lucrative and, you know, how – you know, if I, if I tell somebody I'm a reptile breeder, half the people, you know, kind of chuckle or – you know, they're just like, well, that's not serious, and especially the people I used to be. Cause I, I went to business school, and I went to a major corporation, and I was a manager at a major corporation for a long time. And, you know, even those people were just like, you're breeding reptiles? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a joke. And But the thing that I looked at, and, you know, I left – I was so unhappy in my job in California and just to the point where I was just – you know, it was just to the point I hated life, and it was just like maybe I was making a little bit of money, but I was dumping it all into the, my house out there, and just had nothing to spend extra anyway, and I just was not enjoying every every day like I should. And I I've done the reptiles on the side for a long time. I mean, I've kept the reptiles since I was really young, but later on I uh, I kind of went out of it during school and just because of time, and then um, I started getting back into it, and you know. It, it's just like everyone else. It just builds from, uh, at that time, it was boa constrictor. So I started off with one, and it ended up being, you know, 20 of them, and then 25, and then more. And, and you really start to enjoy it. And I really didn't see a, I didn't see any business possibility with boa constrictors at all. I mean, for me, it was just, it, they're not as easy to breed. They're not, they're, the the prices depreciate pretty quickly for as long as they take to breed. So it was like three to four years to breed a female, and it was just the depreciation on them was really hard. Um, although there are some people that can really make it work, and that's their passion, and I, you know, wish them the best. And, you know, that's just something that wasn't the right fit for me. So um, I ended up, we ended up getting some uh, leopard geckos, and I, you know, compared to boa constrictors, so easy, you know, and, um, just really started slowly, and then all of a sudden, I, I I quit that job. I was looking for another job, and I had a couple opportunities, you know, at some some pretty good companies. And I just I kept going into it, and I ended up deciding because I'd spent so many so much money on the reptiles at that point 
that I talked to my tax guy and he said you could write the, all that expense off even from past years against your 401k. And so I took out my entire 401k and wrote off all the reptile purchases I made before that against the against the um, purchases I made. And you know, it, I just started buying geckos here and there, and I kind of went on a little spree there for a while. And you know, I made a lot of bad decisions because I went in a little quick. But um, to answer your question, really, I, I it was it was a long process, but I think of where I got really serious about it like to the point where i'm like i'm gonna do this full time and do it seriously it was probably late 2009 early 2010 so but i've been working with them you know kind of on a hobby scale from at least 2005 or 2006 so nice nice no, i i understand that for me it was like kind of similar i just i just had too many geckos i couldn't keep them all so i had to start selling them <laughs> yeah i mean that's what i'm gonna say too is that even the hobby side of it, you got to act, you know, that's part of the point of the show too, is that we're all hobbyists by nature here. It's just that we, you know, we have to unload what we, what we produce here. And even as a hobbyist, you have to, you have to sell some. And that's part of the fun of it because you can sell some and you can trade them and, you know, get new morphs and stuff. And that's what really is exciting about this hobby, especially, I mean, if I had a ton of money, I would probably downsize and just work with a few things and, and just, you know, trade back and forth, which a lot of us do. And that's the really fun part of it. Um, not saying that what I do is not fun, but it definitely becomes more of a job at this point and, you know, becomes, you know, a, a very serious job. And you got deadlines and you got things to do and, you know, it, it wears on your mind just like any other job. So, Yep. Yep. No, it's definitely it's, – it's full-time work for sure. Um, yeah. I got some – Great questions for you. And before we do that, I just got to do a sponsor plug, and then we're going to come right back. Of course. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt Reptile Heat Tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out ABDragons.com online and on Facebook. Razor Sharp Reptiles. Like the name suggests, Jamie Carnes has some sharp gecko and snake projects in the works. He is very well known for his work with rare species such as cave geckos, 
but also has some of the prettiest radar projects I've ever seen. Razor Sharp Reptiles is also known for high-end fantails and beautiful rainwater leopard gecko morph projects. Check out RazorSharpReptiles.com online and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or... It can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. All right, everybody. We are back with John. John, you got to lower your radio on the background. I don't have my radio on at all. You don't? No, I don't have anything on. It's complete silence. (laughs) Oh, that's weird. There was an echo there for a minute. Um, That's weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody, so we're backwards. Yeah, that's cool. We're talking about what it's like to take your hobby to the next level. Um, John, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that get a few geckos. They they decide, all right, I'm going to be A and B geckos from now on. I'm going to, you know, make a Facebook page. I'm going to make a website. Uh, I'm going to start my business. Well, what do you think? Do you think um, – what do you think about everybody deciding that they're going to make a business out of this? Do you think it's a good thing? I mean, I'm for following your dreams and doing that. Um, what would you tell people that are in that stage where they're, you know, they're maybe they're dreaming too big, they don't know, or maybe they're on the right track? You know what I mean? What would you say to somebody like that? Uh, I honestly don't see the problem with it very much. I, I really think that, you know, that's how you have to sell your animals and, you know, say somebody buys geckos from me, they're going to have to do the same thing to sell their animals. Otherwise, you know, they're going to be selling on Craigslist and the pet stores, you know. So I don't have any mm-hmm. issue with it. You know, there's there's people that have messaged me that got really upset that I even post pictures of, like, my, my facility and that I'm trying to make people dream and think too high, you know, that they're going to they're gonna go and try to do what I'm doing. It's going to create too much competition, I really think we're way too worried about that. We're in such a little niche market that, you know, the the only people that are buying, like, my high-end stuff, the stuff that, are, you know, that really is nice are breeders. There are other people that want to do this, and I have nothing against that at all. And there's a steady influx of people dropping out of this business, and there's people coming in, and it's just the way it goes. There's a few people that end up making it through it. And I think it comes down to – my my main thing is that, you know, you have to have a real passion for reptiles to do this, first of all, especially on the scale. If you don't have the passion, if you're doing this as just an investment, like a business investment, go somewhere else and, you know, invest in something else. It's going to pay you back better and it's going to be less less strenuous on yourself because, I mean, any business is going to be tough. But, you know, this is really something, if you're not enjoying working with reptiles, you know, it's just like, cleaning dog poo outside in the backyard at that point, you know, for me. And it, although I don't enjoy it every time that I'm cleaning and feeding every time, it's just I I do enjoy this stuff very much. And there's days where I really like it. There's my off days where I get to work on the species that I really like. And there's when I get to take pictures and really get involved that way, that's when it's a lot of fun for me. And, I mean, you have to have an extreme passion for reptiles and, 
um, this whole side of it to really to really succeed, first of all. But, you know, you don't want to be in this if you don't enjoy it. And that's what I say first is just make sure that you really have this passion. Um, you know, you can be the best business guy in the world and marketing genius, and there's some of those guys out there right now. But, you know, it really shows, too, that, you know, when the, the wrong person that's not really into the animals is, is doing that. So it's definitely – it, it has both sides of it. you got to have that that side of you that can market your animals and sell them and, you know, stay up to date on prices and all that stuff and, you know, do websites and all that stuff. You have to be – you have to have that side of it, too, but you definitely have to have that deep-down passion for it, too, as well. So – I really tell I tell new new people don't be discouraged by people if this is really what you want to do and what you like, I mean go for it and you know you you you're gonna make a lot of mistakes on the way, you're not gonna make money right away. It's just not gonna you're not gonna buy a bunch ten thousand dollars worth of geckos one year and then all of a sudden make you know fifty thousand the next. It's just not gonna happen. But you know over course of years of working with this. You can you can build it up to something substantial, and you can do something with it. And you know, if it's really what you want to do, which maybe one percent of one percent end up it ends up working for them, but that one percent one percent are loving their life. You know, I've gone from the hardest yeah. corporate job you could imagine to this, and I just think back every day about waking up at five in the morning and and not getting a lunch all day and coming home at like eight at night and traffic and. You know, my worst day there is, or my best day there is worse than my uh, worst day here. So, mm-hmm. definitely, you think people people seem to be so discouraging to people out there, and I mean that's what you know the fun of this whole thing is. I, I think it's fun, and I'm not for people just buying a bunch of you know high end morphs and trying to produce the crap out of them and selling for dirt cheap prices. I mean, that's that's one side of it, too, that needs to be addressed. But, you know, is, is, is people that come in here and want to really work hard and it's really their passion and they have fun and, you know, they can they can work all aspects of the business, it can work out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But How do you feel you, about competition? What's that? I was, like, was going to say, how do you feel about competition out there in the marketplace? I'm friends with 99% of my competition. I mean, the only people I don't usually – I don't talk to, maybe are some of the people that never contacted me back. You know, I've had a few people that never responded to my emails, and I still haven't talked to them to this day. But, you know, I'm I'm really good friends with most of my competition, and that's the cool thing about this, part, this market is that, you know, you kind of have to be friends with your competition in a lot of ways because – these are there's only a few people working with leopard geckos on a high end scale that are really going to sell you nice stuff. And if you become enemies with those people, or if you cause problems with those people, you could ask yourself out of ever getting any genetics from them. Or if they come out with something cool, you could you could you know mess yourself up yourself up with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm always and I, I don't really like the, the drama anyways. I'm over that you know. So for me, it's just. You know, I try to stay friends with everybody. I don't like it when two friends of mine are fighting. That's always an awkward situation, which happens a lot. But you know, it's uh, it's just part of this hobby. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of times there's just a lot of people that you know that can't get along, especially because we're on the internet most of the time. And as we know, people on the internet have a tendency to say things that they wouldn't probably say in person. So 
I have a feeling that you know most of the big breeders out there, if they were all were in just all they ever did was meet in person, they'd probably all be friends. But the fact that it's on Facebook and all these websites, that there's a lot more, there's a lot more issues because of that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. even text messages. If you text somebody and you know somebody thinks of it, they they take it the wrong way, then all of a sudden it becomes an argument. You know, and it's the same thing on the internet. Right. You know, as people get you know, very offended if you if you say something bad about their gecko or if you, you give a criticism or, you know, and sometimes people say things that they probably wouldn't say in person to criticize their animals. So I really right. just try to stay out of it for the most part. I mean, if somebody's directly talking anything about me, I, I'll, I mean, I'm so straightforward and honest and I've always, you know, pride myself on the geckos I have and I don't have... I really don't have any issues because of that, and that's you know why it's a little bit easier for me. I don't really ever have conflicts with people for the most part, but there's always one of those troll people that come on there and you know kind of gets under your skin a little bit. But for the most part, it's not too bad if you just stay stay honest and really work your hardest at it. Yeah, no, that's true, and everybody's got to start yeah. out somewhere and. And I, I see a lot of problems on Facebook, you know. Um, there's a lot of jealousy. There's uh, resentment. Like, you know, I've seen some people that, you know, somebody posts a really beautiful gecko. It's almost predictable that another breeder will get upset or jealous or be threatened by that. I mean, you know, um, enough of us can work together. I mean, a lot of us get along. You're right, John. But there are a few, there are, you know, there's always a few bad apples in the bunch, of course. Um, and, you know, they always show themselves sooner or later, I would think. Um, and that's what's going to separate the good guys from the bad guys. And, and you know, the, people have reputations for a reason. And, you know, it's because of their, their performance online and the way they project themselves, I guess, you know. So, yeah, yeah no, but your, your online presence, your online presence is spotless. I, I You know, I've never seen anything, uh, said anything negative about you, which is excellent. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I think that a lot of it comes from my my background in business just because I've had to take such worse criticisms and such worse, you know, customers than I ever deal with in the gecko community that this is just easy for me. So, I mean, it's not necessarily customers always right, but it's one of those things if you're always fair with somebody and it can be displayed publicly, you know, if ever anybody ever took me on, you know, the, um, the BOI or anything like that, I would, you know, my emails are always going to be, consistent to the way I, I treat everybody and I mean it's just there's there's just if you just go about it the honest way and even if you feel like you're a little bit wrong and everything if you just be the bigger person about it and stay out of it, you know. I mean I have the the real thing that gets that bugs me is when other breeders are being dishonest to, you know, their customers or to everybody just to make a dollar. And that's where it really kinda gets under my skin a lot and I don't have a problem talking about some of those guys, you know, under the table, but, you know, if somebody's really trying to market and sell somebody short and really, you know, they knowingly are doing something wrong and they do that, like, like for, for whatever reason, whether it's money or for, you know, whatever reason, and they go, they go to that extent to lie and, you know, cheat their customers that are paying a lot of money. I mean, we think like now when I get a sale for, 300 bucks is not a big deal, but back, you know, back when you're young, I mean, that's like a bicycle when you're a kid or something, you know, and these people pay probably, you know, not, you know, 300 bucks might be a lot of money for somebody out there, 
And, you know, to buy something that's completely they've been lied to about, you know, and not been completely honest, I mean, it gets under my skin even at that point. You know, and but it is part of the learning learning curve. Everybody goes through through that in here. I've made some purchases from certain people that have been just like, why did I ever do that? You know, I was, I sucked into the marketing scheme and, um, you know, and it's, it's, just one of those things you have to go through and you have to learn the hard way a lot of times, you know. A lot of research can help avoid that, but even then you're you're still gonna you're gonna hit a couple of those road bumps. So Well, yeah, I call them bottom feeder breeders and um they basically make their living off of people that don't know any better. And they can't mm-hmm. they're not creative or ambitious enough to do it the right way or the honest way. So the only way they can sell their animals and is by cheating people that are new and they know they can spot the new guys just by the questions they ask. And, you know, when you're a yeah. newbie uh, gecko person, you're asking certain types of questions. You come to me and you ask me or John, we, we know we know what level you're at just by the questions you ask. Now, John and I have the ethics that we're not going to take advantage of you. We're not going to lie to you. We're not going to, um, you know, basically use the fact that you're not knowledgeable to sell you something that isn't, you know, what it is or whatever. But there are there are some guys out there that are totally going to make some money on you that way, and you yeah. know even John and I can't go around saying who those are because that just makes us look bad. So it's kind of like a situation where you know you guys got to be careful out there. You know what, what? And that's my next question for you, John. Um, is there anything out there that people should look out for when they're deciding to start out and turn their operation into a business? What what are some of the pitfalls besides that? Well, I would I would first of all do some searches on whoever you're going to buy from. You know, if you go, pretty much anybody that's ever you know screwed over a customer is going to have some bad feedback on the internet somewhere, and that's the beauty of it. You're gonna you're gonna be able to find that somewhere, and you know it's just do your research and look it up. And I mean that's that's the whole key is really like just not buying things on a whim and. Just you know, oh that that gecko looks cool. I'm gonna buy it and I'm gonna breed it to this one and you know produce cool stuff and then worry about what's the genetics behind it later. You know, there's there's a lot of breeders out there that don't tell you what hets are behind their animals. They just sell it based on color or visual appearance, um, which I think is a huge problem. You know, I'm I'm pretty well invested in keeping these geckos pure because that's the way this market's going, whether you like it or not. I mean, the, if you're yep. if you're gonna if you're gonna keep breeding stuff randomly, you're never gonna make it in this business. So I mean, you need to you need to pay attention to that. Um, you know, yep. we've had we've even talked privately about this, Dave. But you know, the biggest breeders out there are not gonna know everything about their geckos. But if you can pick out people that are gonna be honest with you, that's gonna make the biggest mm-hmm. difference. And I mean, I'm working as hard as I can to get pure collection, uh, pure collection, just like a few of us out there. And yep. I mean, I really believe in a couple of years it's going to pay off, and it sucks to it sucks to produce all these cross double head animals just to prove something out. But the fact that I can normally sell something to somebody and say, you know, this was tested against this and this was tested against that, it's going to make the biggest difference. And I, the problem is, right. I think you're getting this too, Dave, especially after our roundtable discussion um, uh, radio show, is that people are out now asking us, the honest people if our animals are pure and i'm so honest that i'm if unless you know a breeder will tell you that it's pure all day long but unless you test breed it out yourself you're never going to know for sure and i've really learned that 
you know, from a few different breeders, I'm getting consistently dealt pets out of these animals that weren't supposed to be there. And, mm-hmm. you know, us as honest breeders, when somebody says, is this a pure animal, whereas the shady breeder is going to say, yes, this is pure, this animal can be bred to whatever you want, and they really don't know. Whereas I'm going to sit there and tell you that, you know, for a fact that I didn't test this against every recessive out there. No, I don't know that for sure. I can be 95 to 99% sure that it isn't, but that's mm-hmm. part of, you know, the learning curve. People are going to learn that the hard way, and I know a lot of breeders that are selling triple, double heads that don't label it at all. Oh, my God. Such as, such as a tangerine, which is where when we get into the the, the line bed genes that are, that are sold, you know, it's just, just the, you know, say we sell a bandit or we sell a tangerine is probably the worst one. But that tangerine is probably had for Tremper or probably had for Eclipse or probably had for all these different things that you don't know about. And the yep. only way you're going to find out is test breeding it. So, I mean, yep. and, and all of a sudden people breed their tangerine to their, their say, their bright albino bell or their, you know, whatever it is, and they're going to breed those together and all of a sudden think that they're going to produce really nice, you know, bell albinos the second year. And come back to find out later their their original tangerine that they bred that into was het trimper, and all of a sudden you have a, a messed up situation. So just yep, the exactly. you know the, the honesty of the beer is the biggest point. You just don't if a beer tells you that he doesn't know about the hets, like as far as he he bought them as het free, and he tells you all the history behind his geckos. That's going to be the honest, most honest breeder out there. The guys that just say it's yep. pure or whatever here or there. Don't back it up with any, like, I test bred this or that. That's the guys you got to look out for. You know? And then exactly. also just general condition of the reptiles, you know, how they look. Um, also, the, the, even, like, the where their presence is on Facebook and, you know, their pictures. You know, you can tell when somebody cares about an animal or cares about what they're doing. You know, they're not going to just post, you know, crappy photos of their cell phone, like, all the time, and that's the way they sell their geckos. I mean, some of us have that's the way we can do it but there are solutions to work around that and you know if you're going to really try hard as a breeder you're going to make a point to like try it in every way possible so mm-hmm. anyway oh, but, is yeah, everything. yeah and i mean if you just get a bad feeling about somebody's probably your gut instinct is working right you know yeah so. yeah and you know that's the way i operate too i mean you know you can make money in this world two ways you can make money honestly and you can make honest you can make money uh, scamming people. You know, it's basically what kind of person are you? How do you want to make your money? Yeah. Uh, you want to be... Yeah, you know, I, I mean, my animals test, I'm testing my animals every year, and I, I have a constant feedback from my customers, too. So I have such a detailed genetic record that when the customer says that something proves out het trimper, which is usually the case, I know exactly where mm-hmm. it comes from because, you know, I know the parents of that gecko, and I know what, uh, what I tested. Usually all the males are all tested out, so... I usually can link it to the female and go from there. And anybody that bought a gecko that, you know, that I can remember or that I can look up that was from that that mom, I'll, I'll email them separately and tell them there's a possibility that there's a 50% chance with that thing that trimper now. Just so they don't, mm-hmm. you know, the tendency for a lot of breeders is just to, oh, whatever, they'll figure it out or it's not going to ever show up. It's never going to come back at me. But... Mm-hmm. That's the wrong way to think, and if somebody's upset with me, oh well. But at least I was honest. Exactly. Right. And you know, I think we should redo the roundtable discussion at some point. Um, it was definitely one of the biggest shows uh, from the last broadcast, and 
<clears throat> I think the uh, the whole issue about genetic purity is definitely a topic that you know we can definitely do another whole show on, John. And uh, we will, we will do that in the future. And um, you know, I left it open. Matt, Matt's very busy lately, so I left it open for him. When he wants to come on, you know, we'll do a second episode in, in a week, and you know, maybe we can do something like that again. But um, yeah, you no, know, I, for I, most know. Part, I for Matt. He's he's going through that move, so I know how that goes. I was in that same situation yeah. last year, so. You know, he's uh, got to be crazy. He's a he's a good guy. Just he just needs you know. Once he's done with this move, I think everything's going to go better. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a lot going on right now. It's just it's totally understandable. Um, well, yeah, people uh, I mean, people don't realize what the monumental task of moving the a massive reptile collection. You know, it's it's the problem. Half the problem is the time. You know, you can't have these geckos in there for in delis for weeks on weeks. You know, so you have to. You have to do that in a timely fashion, and then moving all your own stuff too can be a very difficult, very difficult situation. So, right. And, well, here's another thing that people get confused. Yeah, of course. And it, 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 he'll, he'll he'll make it through. He's you know he's, he knows what he's doing. Um, there are a lot of people out there, John, that are confused about uh, the pricing of their animals. You know, they buy a gecko from say you or I or Matt or somebody. Um, you know, they make some investments into their their genetics, and there are market fluctuations. There are market uh, price variations. Um, there are trends. There are this, that, and the other thing. Um, what What are your thoughts on the pricing of geckos today, leopard geckos in particular? We'll talk about and 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 how does the market fluctuate? And say, like for someone that buys um, a 1.2 group from you, and um, they want to sell their offspring next season. Um, you know, how would you price them, and what are your thoughts on all that? Well, you know, it's it's one of those things where one of the first things I say when people are starting off and they want to buy something as an investment or something that's going to make their money back, I always I always suggest line bred genes, anything that's line bred. So that can be in combination with the recessive or codom or whatever. It can be, say, a sun glow, which is combined with tempera albino and tangerine, because you can each year improve upon that. And what happens is, say you buy some nice tangerines, you know, spend your money, spend as much as you can. Not necessarily spending money is going to make a better gecko, but choose your geckos wisely. Buy the best stock you can and mm-hmm. line breed that stuff, you know. Put put a four or $500 investment on each gecko and, you know, line breed that over years if you're trying to stay small as a hobby level. And, you know, that's going to that's gonna just be – a lot of people want to buy the cheap stuff and they'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll produce whatever and I hope I'll produce something nice. And it's really buying the best stuff you can. You're going to, you're just putting yourself so far ahead, especially with the, uh, a, a species like leopard geckos where they, they produce a lot of numbers, you know, each year. I mean, you're going to, you buy two, say you buy two $500 tangerines and then the next year you produce 20 of them or whatever, or you buy three $500 tangerines and you produce 20. I mean, it's just a smart investment because everything's going to, you know, still be able to sell for a higher amount. You're probably not going to be able to sell the same as the breeder because the breeder has the name and has, you know, the history, but that's what you're working towards. And if you're trying to keep it on a small level, just specialize in like one or two line bred genetics. Don't try to get too diversified. Because to really do this diversified, you got to have a massive collection. Like even I'm not big enough to really do this on, you know, a complete. I can't. I don't have every genetic out there. Well, I do, but I don't have, you know, every 
combo, you know, of each morph and everything. I do. You know, for me, well, <laughs> I don't cool. know anything. I really, I, line bread stuff, of course, I'm not going to have everything, but as far as, like, recessives and stuff, there's not that many in leopard geckos that, you know, somebody like me wouldn't have that in my collection. But, you know, you you just want to stay with the line. Like, line bread stuff is always going to sell well. It's always going to, you know, year after year, and you can improve it. You know, the thing is, if you buy a big combo morph, you're going to you're gonna hit a dead end, and it's going to just, you know, price is going to drop. The breeder that you bought it from is going to be producing them, too, and everybody he sold them to, and whoever else is working on it. So, you know, as far as investment-wise, but if you like working with it, go for it, you know. It's fun to work with the genetics and see how it pops out, but as far as right. investment-wise, the, the line bread stuff is always going to really do well. And, I mean, you can combine. I'm not saying, like, don't buy white and yellows. Buy white and yellows with a lot of color or buy them with pattern or try to go somewhere with it, you know. Buy buy white and yellow and, you know, mix it with – be creative, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, try to try to keep things pure, but, you know, at the same time, you can try to, try to go for something with it and try to, you know, especially color and pattern is always going to sell well. You know, a lot of a lot of a big tendency or a trend with my tangerines and stuff, which I'm finding out for the future, is really the ones with a lot of color and pattern are going to start are doing better. You know, the straight orange gecko is is great still, but the ones I I call them in people in Europe a lot of times call them dirty tangerines, which you know I really like. It's just a lot of contrast and a lot of weird colors and a lot of different things that can come out of them and it's it's fun to work with those and you know usually if it's fun for you to work with them other people are going to find that too oh yeah no i agree um there's not i think tangerines will always just be like a uh just a staple as far as um like gecko go it's just a good good gene to always have around and some breeders can make incredible tangerines your your tangerines john are among the best Tangerines I've seen out there right now. I don't know. They're incredible. Thank you. Um, and you have a few different different lines going. Yeah, I mean, you know, another thing I always forgot to mention, it does come down to luck sometimes, you know. Sometimes you're lucky and you get the right deal at the right time for the right price. And, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes those, like, my tangerine, my original gecko genetics male, which I can't preach enough about, is – you know, he's he's a gold mine. I would probably value him, you know, I'm not going to put some crazy price on him, but I I would not sell him to anybody right now. If somebody offered me some crazy amount, I wouldn't sell him because he's proven 100% not hit for any other albino, any recessive out there. I've tested him against everything many, many times, you know. So he's he's mm-hmm. absolutely pure as your pure wild types out there. And he, mm-hmm. he is an extraordinary color, and he throws amazing babies, so... For me, that gecko is just invaluable, you know. And I, I like, mm-hmm. I like bloods. That, that line really. I, I, my my thing with tangerines is that the color holds into adulthood. The ones that don't hold into adulthood really kind of, I don't know, discourages me because they can be amazing as babies, and all of a sudden, as, once they hit adult, they don't they lose their color and they become really dull and faded out. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, that line has really held color. Um, bloods tend to hold a lot of color, and they actually get really dark, which I like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's some other lines out there. A lot of tangerines, you know, originated from similar sources, but, you know, individual geckos paired together can create new things, and, 
you know, even though a lot of them originated from similar sources, they can result in different, you know, colors and different patterns. And uh, I mean, this year I'm creating some that I can't even believe. I, I'm really excited to see what they're going to turn out. I posted one recently that had a really dark head pattern. And I mean, that gecko is young and it's colors coming up from underneath it. I mean, I can only imagine the way that one's going to look pretty soon. So. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. tangerines are tangerines are amazing, you know, gecko to work with. They are always a great investment. You know, bandits are always gonna, or bandits and bolds and Halloween masks, all that stuff is always going to be good. You know, people love that stuff, um, and it's fun mm-hmm. to work with too. So and you can improve yeah. on it each year, so you can really you don't have to put in you know a thousand dollars each year to improve it. You can just you know improve on upon your own geckos. So just get a small collection and improve on them each year. Yep, absolutely. Um, and we're coming to the last half hour of the show, and I'd like to uh, put it out there to all of you guys that if you'd like to call in and uh, ask John a question uh, pertaining to uh, the topic of discussion tonight, which is um, taking your hobby to the next level into a business, um, I want to encourage everybody that the call-in number is 646-478-5331. And the number again is 646 478 Five three three one, and um, give us a call, and we'll uh, we'll put you on the on the air with John, and you can ask uh, your specific questions. I know there's a lot of people in the chat room right now that um, I know are up and coming breeders, a lot of people that are uh, working on some really cool stuff. And um, here we go. Here we have a call right now. All right, caller from the four three two area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, Dave. Hi, John. How y'all doing tonight? Good, good. Who's doing this, great. Carol? Great. Yeah, I just wanted to call in and tell you guys you're doing a great job. And uh, once again, Dave, this show is really doing well and booming. And and I think that uh, Gecko Nation is going to be big and better than ever. So, uh, oh, my question huge. to you, John, is is uh, how do you determine uh how much money you want to spend on incubators whenever you're starting to think in that general direction? Uh, it's kind of funny because even though I could probably buy some really nice incubators, I really – I have found that the the display refrigerator incubators, like I particularly have like a like a, a Rockstar incubator. They're actually um, – not a Rockstar incubator, but a Rockstar display refrigerator that I converted to an incubator. I've never had the incubator hold temperatures as well as that that actual incubator. So sometimes the homemade stuff can be the best. And what I've done in the past is I've uh, purchased these incub- or these refrigerators. They go on Craigslist, and you ever you find them every once in a while, but you'll find one that's broken for like fifty bucks. And so I'll snatch that up when I see it, and then when I need it, I'll, I'll actually convert it over. But I have two right now, so I use I use two display refrigerators. And I actually convert them. I took, gutted them out. Um, you don't want to release the Freon or whatever, so I'll put that disclaimer out there. But you want to gut them out. I keep the lights on a separate switch, so they actually have this, the same light source. Um, and I throw I throw heat tape down the back. So I throw 11-inch flex spot down the back and the, the bottom. And then I hook up a computer fan, a DC um, computer fan. Um, the computer fan usually don't overheat like some of the other fans you can use or even the display refrigerator usually comes with a fan 
um, that one can overheat with the higher temperature. So I throw that in, just a small DC uh, computer fan, and put some spacers on it so it's not resting right on the top um, uh, surface. So it actually creates some airflow coming from the top to the bottom. And um, it honestly just holds great temperatures. Oh, and one thing I want to mention, too, is I, I run, like, a nice therm proportional thermostat down to it, and the probe goes in the same the same hole as um, the other thermostat that was controlling the refrigerator. So basically, I run a thermostat down into it, and I, I prefer the Hertzstat um, thermostat now. Um, the Hertzstat 1 is really good for this. I mean, you can use a... You can use a helix, but a helix only goes in increments of uh, one degree. Um, I tend to see more errors with the, the helix, but, you know, either one will work fine. Just get a proportional thermostat. Um, they're way overboard on the wattage, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but run that probe in there. Don't run it on the heat tape because then it varies way too quickly each time. So I actually just run it down the center into the middle of the refrigerator. And um, it just holds temperatures absolutely perfect. It's super reliable. Um, I do also use, I use some, some hover baiters, but, um, I don't, I don't prefer them. They fluctuate each day, which, which is fine. You're, a lot of people freak out about a little bit of fluctuation here and there, which isn't a huge deal, but it takes a long time to get those dialed in and get them correct. And sometimes you have to monitor them constantly. So every day I'm literally going down there and checking them out and making sure that they're they're at the right temperature, so I don't trust them as much. I'll probably get a few more incubators. Um, uh, the only reason I don't use, like, just one big one is, as most people know, females, you know, they incubate at a lower temperature and the males incubate at a higher temperature. And I do things a little weird. I take the males, I start them off about 90 for the first, like, week or two, and then I drop them to, like, 86.5, and then I hatch them out at about 85. And then the females, I start at about 80. I run them up to about 83.5, and I hatch them out at the 85. So in my system, everything hatches out of the 85 incubator. Um, you know, for me, it's easier. It speeds up the, the female incubation a little bit, so you're not having these, these females going for 60, 70 days. And the males, actually, I think if you put them on 90 the whole time, sometimes you get thermal issues with development. So for me, it kind of slows down their development process. They're already locked in their sex, so they will develop at a nor more normal rate once you drop them down a little. You just don't want to do it too quick. Um, I'm still convinced that most of the most of the genetic flaws and all the defects are, are not necessarily incubator related, but are more or temperature related, but they're more either vitamin or female related from the female that laid them, and just. It happens naturally too. It's just genetic variance sometimes. So, hope that exactly. your question. <laughs> yeah, great. That, no, that, that was really good. No, go ahead. Sorry, Dad. hell of an answer. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, that was, I, yeah. I have my old theories behind everything, but you know, it's that's the way I do it. I'm not saying that any other way is wrong. You know, there's a lot of people hatch out tons of eggs that just come out at one temperature, which is totally fine. You know, I. I usually don't experiment like on high end stuff like like my hard wiki and my anger money. I didn't experiment with that on them. I just hashed them out what I knew was correct because I didn't want to risk it. But absolutely. You know, like, well, to reinforce what John just said, Daryl, um, I've I've used reptivators, I've used hubabators, 
if you're just starting out and you want to just play around with geckos, you know, a Reptivator will get you through. It's not going to be consistent, really, with the temperatures, but it'll be accurate enough for you to successfully hatch geckos, I think. Um, my best incubator, I have to agree with John, are the homemade ones. My, this, uh, I made a, an incubator out of a 1950 Kelvinator refrigerator, and it's the best mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the incubator I've ever had. And uh, got, yeah, got a I mean, I haven't tried, like, yeah. Nature Spirits, and I haven't tried those other ones, but I've, I've done research on it, and, it, you know, for what I've heard, people don't speak, you know, any higher than, you know, just making a... I mean, my the incubators I'm using are doing perfect, and rather, other than just looking cool, I don't think there's any other reason to do it. So I just stuck with no, what, what's working. It comes down to the heat shape and the thermostat, really. Yeah, right. Well, the rest of it is just a box. Well, those, yeah, those, uh, if you get one of those energy, if you get one of those energy drink refrigerators, they're built with some serious quality. I mean, they're those things are insulated well, and the only reason you're getting them for fifty bucks is because they're broken. Like the actual, you know, there's something wrong with the, either Freon leak or whatever, the condenser is right. messed up or whatever, and they they sell them super cheap on the internet. But the you're getting, you know, really a uh, probably two or three hundred dollars worth of. Uh, you know, insulation and quality right there. And most of the time you just replace a light bulb if that's broken. So, I mean, they're nice. You can just flip on a switch. I have both of mine hooked up to the same switch, so I hook on on one switch and all my lights come on, my incubators, and I can look at everything and make sure everything's good. And, um, yeah, I think I, you know. I think I saw those on one of your YouTube videos where you were showing them. And, yeah, uh, I think I, I think I have it in this briefly. I, I'm hoping to do some more YouTube videos soon. I got a new video camera recently, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do some more videos so I can show some of the more specifics on that stuff. But you know, another another key point with uh, the eggs is I think is egg maintenance, which is what I call it, is where you you actually are opening up the containers pretty consistently. You know, to try to get the actual humidity correct in there sometimes is hard. Sometimes you know it's over, it's too damp or it's too dry, so you got to get in there and check them out. And um, you know whether that's releasing, they call it air exchange. Um, basically, yeah. you're releasing all the air that's trapped in there. Even though if you have a couple of little holes in the in the container, you still need to have that air exchange. So, right, I think that's very important to consistently do that. Remove the bad eggs, you know, consistently always check on them. Well, how's that, I, how's I appreciate that, your info. And... Go ahead, Ed. No, I was going to say, how's that? That's, that's pretty good info, right? Exactly. I, I love talking to you guys. I've uh, visited with Dave several times on the phone, and and I've, I've emailed John several different times, and he always gets back to me, and I appreciate you all taking the time to help out new guys. You know, I'm a, an older snake guy from the 80s and just <laughs> recently got into leopard geckos. Because I've got an eight-year-old son that just thinks they're amazing. So I don't I don't know a lot about leopards, but uh, you know it's amazing how far we've come in 30 years in the reptile business and industry, as far as what we can breed now and and the different things we can do and all the equipment that's out there, FlexWatt, uh, Herbstats, all this stuff. You know, in the old days, you just built an incubator out of plywood and styrofoam and used a wafer thermostat and did the best you could do. And uh, you know it's come a long way, and the animals are are amazing, and and 
it's a lot of fun, and I can't wait to start hatching out some geckos for my son to watch. He's never seen anything come out of the egg yet, so he, he's ready for that. And I get a, I get a box, I guess, from each of you guys coming in on Tuesday, so I can't wait. <laughs> yes, oh, you do. Love it. <laughs> well, all right, I'll, I'll cool. get out of your hair, guys, and I, and I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for all the info, and hope to visit with you all again sometime. Great. Absolutely. Thanks, Darryl. Thanks for calling in, bud. You bet. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Yeah, Daryl's got some. Daryl's having Christmas on Tuesday morning from Gecko uh, Bowl yeah, and David no, Geckos, he, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a few coming from me, too. So that's nice for me, too. I need to yeah. some room. I'm just, you know, constantly on the battle of what's hatching to what's going out the door. So. <laughs> All right. We have another so, caller here, John. Sure. All right. We have a caller from the from the um the four four zero area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey. Hello. Hello, caller. Hey, what's going on guys? Good. How's how it going? Doing? I'm good. Um I really don't have much to say, I'm just listening. Oh, okay. I thought well, you had a uh, question, but that's okay. Oh, sorry about that. All right. See, I couldn't get to the okay. uh the thing, so I called, you know. All right, keep listening. We'll get to the next caller. Thanks, bud. All right. All right. Caller from 570 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, Dave. Hey, what's up? It's uh, Landon. Hey, Landon, what's up? What's your question for John? Uh, I guess either of you can answer it. Um, How do you base the price of your gecko? Is it from looks or colors? Looks or colors. Uh, well, there's a lot of factors that go into pricing. Go ahead, John. You take oh, it. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, exactly. It's genetics. It's looks. It's co- I mean, there's so many factors that go into it, you know. Sometimes it's not even the looks. It's sometimes what's behind the looks and what the genetics are on that animal. I can sell two tangerines. One can come from a certain line that I know is going to throw really nice babies and I'll price it higher. And the other one will look probably better, and I know it probably won't throw as great of color. So I mean, or the genetics aren't the same, so I, I'll price it a little lower. So um, you know, it, it sometimes it's a lot of different factors. Um, like I said before, color and pattern always sell. So if you have something that's really striking, especially with leopard geckos, you know, it's 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 something that's going to sell quickly. Um, mm. There's there's certain genetics that are that are more rare, you know that are higher demand, um, you know, even like, you know, white and yellows are, are very popular right now. And, um, there's marble eyes and there's other, other ones out there that are, you know, just, they're not, not everybody's working with them and they do throw some cool stuff and, you know, just a lot of times it's the rarity of the gecko. And, you know, it, it, it's just like anything else. It's supply and demand, but, you know, also demand affects supply. So, it's a tough battle sometimes trying I, I try to price things out from the beginning of the year what I'm what I think I'm gonna produce and what I think I'm gonna be able to consistently sell these at for the whole entire year. Because I don't want to sell the first person that buys one the first year or the first part of the year for five hundred bucks and then all of a sudden I can't sell any and I drop them down to hundred and fifty because I would make you know that person probably very upset so i try to yeah <laughs> you know the first the first people to get them at the beginning of the year yes they're probably going to pay a little more because they're going to have the first breeding to them at the beginning of the year since they're one-year breeders and that's 
that's always going to be a little higher priced, but later on in the year, I don't want it to vary too much. So I try to estimate it myself and see what market trends are and make sure it's fair. You know, I don't want to be overpriced either. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of factors involved, man, and there really are. So yeah. <laughs> that, that in itself is, that's like a skill in itself to learn, wouldn't you say, John? Like how to price your animals? That's like yeah, something. I I always say just look at other people's websites and look at – well, that's what I always do. I see what, you know, other people are pricing them at, and I try to think, like, you know, what usually that person is pricing them above the market at. Like, there's certain leaders that just price things way high, so I know that before I look at their website, but I still can get a estimate on where they're at. But, yeah, look at other people's websites and see what they're selling similar stuff as. And, you know, okay. you got to take in mind where you're – where you are in the business. If you're, you know, yeah. if you're starting off, you're probably going to have to sell them a little lower. You know, taking good pictures makes a big difference. I always say that too. Don't, you know, you don't have to have the best camera in the world to take a good quality picture that makes it look nice. You can, you can figure it out, you know, do the work. Just like I've spent so many, so, so many hours on taking pictures you would not even believe. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I think I've, I'm doing pretty good now, but it's always something I'm, you know, I spent last night, or not last night, the night before, I looked up on YouTube for probably three or four hours just how to do, uh, do videos, you know, because I just got a new video recorder and, you know, just trying to get more information on how to do it right and do it better. So that's mm-hmm. the same thing that everybody needs to do if you're trying to sell something. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Landon. Thanks for calling in, bud. Yep. Bye. All right. Later. All right, Jay is asking um, in the chat room, uh, let's see, what was your question, Jay? Um, uh, He wanted to know, how do you choose what to keep and what you sell from your offspring, John? (laughs) Well, this is probably (laughs) the hardest part, and as most of us know, it becomes, sometimes if I'm needing, like, if I want to invest in something new, which is usually the case, say I want to invest in something like another gecko and I need the money for it, I'll probably sell something I normally wouldn't sell. Um, sometimes it depends if it's male or female. Say if I have a, a really nice male and I produce another one, i got to decide which one I want to sell. Usually I'll sell the younger mm-hmm. one, but, you know, it's, sometimes the males are – you don't want, like, ten males for one project and one female – you know, females sometimes, in like say my situation is, is a better, a better, uh, better to keep back. So if I have something nice, I'll usually keep back the females a lot of times, just because I have a male. I usually keep you know a lot of nice males, so I always have something that will go good with it. Um, mm-hmm. It's tough, you know. Every year, it's it's really it's a tough part of it, and sometimes it just comes down to when I'm taking the pictures, and sometimes I'm. I'm frustrated because I have too many geckos, and I just get to the point where I'm just like, I'm going to sell some of this stuff. And, and you sometimes you post it, and then you regret it later. Um, but that's that's part of it. you got to learn to be able to let go of some of these things. You can't hoard them all. And, I mean, I'm going to produce a lot of nice stuff that I wish I could keep, but, you know, that's part of the business. And unless, you know, unless you keep them all, you're, you're going to have to sell some of them. So, um mm-hmm. I don't. I don't try to. You know, some breeders try to keep out other breeders as far as like purchasing geckos, and I, I for the most part don't worry about that. You know, and I know that you know there's going to be other people that work with it, and uh, it's kind of one of the frustrating things about being bigger too is that you know certain breeders won't sell you stuff anymore once you get bigger. You know, and it's it's one of the things <laughs> that 
it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, but I mean, I understand it at the same time, you know, that I can't, I can't email every breeder about what they have available and say, you know, can I buy this? Cause they won't sell it to me. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. Cause you're a threat um, to their business. I'm, yeah, I'm a mark, you know, they, they send it to me compared to the next guy. I'm going to be able to breed it to a lot of stuff, but I mean, for the most part, well, I try to keep a... away from, I try to keep away from the projects that other breeders are doing, you know, say some breeders doing one project and he's producing a bunch of them. Well, he's already got the market on that. So I want to do something different with it. So for the most Mm -hmm. part, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do the same thing that the next guy's doing. You know, I always try to keep it different. There's no point in, you know, two huge breeders. I'm not huge, but I'm just saying like two guys trying to breed the same exact thing and trying to control the market and then getting in a squabble about it. So, well, you know, we have enough genetics now where everybody can do their own thing, and anybody can, you know, mix things up a little bit, you know? Yeah, there's so much stuff but out some, there. It's, you know, I, I'm I'm a victim of how much stuff there is out there, so, I mean, I, me too. I, I have too much stuff to I already have too much stuff to work with, so I really don't get involved I know. with that, you know. But um, sometimes I wanna, another breeder will have forget, a, there's, a key there's piece. A, there's a gentleman named Mike that wanted to know about the sunsets and sunrises, and you know, I just wanted to say that, you know, I, there's a lot of people getting a lot of attention to these, and I'm working on them to prove out the genetics as long, along with uh, another breeder here in the, the local area, um, Keith Kiggins from GiantLeopardGecko.com. We both are working with uh, the sunsets and sunrises to try to prove them out, um, whether they are recessive like the original um, breeder, Nick Stark, uh, said they were, or if they are actually um, some codom or something that's line bred, so we're working on it. All I know for right now is sunset to sunset or sunset to sunrise is produces 100%, you know, sunset or sunrises. So, um, you know, all the geckos that I've produced from those pairings have all been pretty nice and have the same color. And they are actually pretty cool in person, um, especially as they're going through that juvenile stage like most uh, geckos. Um, for those who don't know, the sunset is, is at this point the blizzard combined with that that tangerine but this specific tangerine has actually overtaken the blizzard which is not like any you can't just breed a tangerine to a blizzard and create this somehow through nick's uh breedings he's actually created tangerines that cover the blizzard being pretty well and the sunrise is just the temper albino albino version so the blazing blizzard version so Okay, I think we have another, we have time for at least one more call. Let's uh, go ahead here. And uh, let's see, caller from the 610 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, David, Derek, how are you? Good, Derek. I recognize the area code. It's, it's similar, it's near me, so I kind of figured yep. it might be you. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, doing pretty good. So, John, I had a question. I'm a big fan of your tangerines. Uh, They're definitely top of my wish list. Uh, Looking through, you know, what you do have available, I see things like um, Gecko Genetics by Blood Tangerine. Um, I'm curious as to what exactly the Gecko Genetics is in some of your uh, geckos. Okay. Uh, I did, if you go through my Facebook, there is a note section all about this as well, but just to explain a little more, um, Gecko Genetics is actually a, uh, a breeder, um, a company, just like I'm Gecko Boa. Gecko Genetics was a company a few years back. 
Um, the breeder's name was Jason Haygood. He he worked with some really amazing stuff at that time, and he ended up coming down with mealworm allergies pretty bad, from what I understand, and ended up having to leave. So this is one of the things where I, I say go on Gecko Forums and you can find all the history on this stuff. You know, you can find all the information about this. But um, he... He basically got some unique combinations. And, I mean, sometimes it just comes down to these individual geckos that you get and you create something just amazing. So he started off with some geckos that I, I believe were from Garrick DeMeyer, um, some tangerines from him. Um, he was breeding those for a while, line breeding them just like everybody. Then he, I don't know, I can't remember which one came first, but he ended up getting an electric male um, or got electric from, I think, Kelly, or it might have been a female. I, I can't remember, but he basically wine-bred those, and, and then he ended up in a tendering tornado that he crossed into these. And he just got some just ridiculous results from this, these crosses. And when you're breeding tendering, you'll realize that you can, bro- you can cross two tendering lines and just not get anything worthy of what the parents were. And then you can cross two that are together that are just, they just complement each other very well. And just in this particular case, he did he did achieve that. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get one of his whole, you know, when he went out of business, I got one of the nicest males that he let go. Um, you know, there, it, and then lucky for me, it didn't end up being Het Trumper or had anything else. So I know some of the others ended up being Het Trumper. So I kind of got a gold mine with this gecko. He's, he's extremely uh, nice, even as an adult, you know, and that's one of the, you know, once a leopard gecko breeds and gets to his adult stage, he usually dulls out a lot. But he's he's very nice. He throws amazing babies. You know, I could cross him into anything. He just adds just the tendering color to it, no matter what I'm crossing him to. Um, the ones that I cross the bloods, I'm cross the the stuff I cross the bloods. A lot of that's coming out really dark and like those black spots on the head and body. Um, I cross some of them to. Um, a Pacific Green Sykes and Marine cross that I did before, and a lot of that stuff. I mean, this was a holdback female I got from that cross, and a lot of those are coming out with these really bright purples and weird purple colors to them that are, you know, not just normal purples. They're almost like, almost like a creamsicle purple. It's not even better. So he he throws pretty much nice stuff with anything I I breed to him. Um, I know some of the babies I've sold in the past and some of the people that are crossing back into bloods and some of those stuff, I mean, they're producing just geckos that are just crazy, you know. So he, the genetics on them are very, very, very good, um, and he's clean. So that's, I mean, a huge deal too. But, you know, there's a lot of good tendering lines out there. There's tendering tornadoes. and I mean, the problem is a lot of it too is you just don't know what happened in them until you, you breed them back and forth for a while but or you figure it out. But, yeah. That's that basically the history. I have a whole write-up on my Facebook page, though, too, if you want to look. Cool. I will definitely check that out. That is great and uh, good to know. Yeah, no problem. All right, Derek. Thanks for calling great. in. Let's uh, wrap things up soon. Thank you so much. All and right. uh, new show's doing great, Dave. Oh, thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'll see you at, right. uh, see at Hamburg next week, right? You're going to be at the Hamburg show? Possibly. Tough to say. I, I got a lot on my plate. Um, maybe I'll fill you in at some point. <laughs> okay. So. All right. All Sounds right. good. Thanks for calling yeah. in. Hey. Yeah. All right, uh, John, we're coming to the end here. Why don't we, uh, in a couple minutes, and then i got to play the, the ending plug. So in about two minutes, uh, let's, why don't you do some closing comments here for everybody? 
Um, okay. Well, to kind of just get back to, I think we got a lot of off topic on the breeding operations deal. Um, the whole we point can do of the a show part two. You want to do a, you want to do a part two? No, we we can. Yeah, we can just. I mean, I'm sure we could just talk for hours if we wanted to about anything. But, um, you know, the. I'm I'm a, I'm a larger specialized breeder. Um, I'm not a, a huge breeder or a large breeder as I would consider. And, you know, those are the guys that are producing the massive um, wholesale uh, geckos for you know PetSmart and Petco and all the wholesale distributors. But um, you know, for my size operation, I mean, some of the things I would recommend as far as people going forward and trying to figure it out is is try to cut your cost down. You know, you got to trim the fat from this business because it isn't a high-profit business unless you do. I mean, it's not a high-profit business either way, but, you know, it's it's one of those things if your expenses are ratting up and you're spending tons of money on feeders every every week or whatever it is or, you know, anything, you you got to learn how to cut the, cut the, the cost down. Um, I breed my own feeders even, you know, and it saves me a – couple hundred bucks probably a week and it makes a it makes a huge difference in the long run even though it's it's tough and it's taken a long time to figure it out correctly but now i got it down to the point where i can do it about the same as i actually prefer using my own mealworms than i do buying um other mealworms at this point because i get them to the point where they're so lively and so big and you know i get <laughs> my mealworms now are are huge but you know, I use when I have to supplement. I go through rainbow mealworms, and um, I breed my own roaches. I breed my own superworms for the most part, and I just supplement throughout the year, and that cuts down a huge cost. And just being creative and figuring out what you can do about cutting costs down, I think that's a huge part. And then just being efficient. You know, just being. A lot of people think they need to take care of their geckos every two days, and it's just not the case. You know, I, I if you get things down correctly and you know their husbandry perfect, you can you can minimize that. But I know you're coming to the end, so I'll stop there. Yeah, no, that's cool. And we'll do a part two, John. So um, I, everybody has sure. awesome feedback in the chat room tonight. So um, I do want to play the ending plug for everybody, and I have something to say at the very end. So. Um, Everybody, we'll have John back again. Thanks, John. Always an excellent time. Sure. You're an excellent guest, of course, very knowledgeable. And uh, thanks again for coming on tonight, bud. Yeah, thank you. All right, later. All right, everybody. Um, all right, we have one last plug that I want to play. And here it is. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance. They are our most effective defense against legislation that threatens our rights of exotic animal ownership. Sign up for their newsletter and donate if you can at usherp.org. All right, everybody. We all want to make a name for ourselves and be part of this community. 
I found that the only way to fit in and be in a club was to stand out and make my own club. So my advice to anyone starting out in this is to find your own style and run with it. Be creative and be strong, everybody. Next week, I will have Jamie Carnes of Razor Shark Reptiles on. I will also be joined by a special guest co-host, Destiny from Desert Snow Gecko. It's going to be a great time. So join us next week, next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Gecko Nation Radio. Good night, citizens of Geconia. And I'll see everybody in the after party in Gecko Nation. <laughs>